Welcome to the Institute of Buddhist Studies podcast. The following is part two of Dennis Hirota's 2010 Rukoku lecture series titled Shinran's Phenomenology of Religious Life. Professor Hirota spoke at the Institute in March of 2010 over the course of three days. Please be sure to download this complete series of lectures from our website at podcast.shin-ibs.edu or directly from the iTunes Music Store. Uh, I'd like to continue uh, with with the uh, with the discussion of uh, Shinran's method, his his uh, approach in communicating uh, the teaching, uh, and I would take this as a, as a means of understanding uh, also uh, his sense of um, the content of the realization of Shinjin. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, we have just read through uh, the section, the second section of uh, Tanisho, uh, and I would like to go on to consider uh, one aspect of it, especially in contrast uh, with uh, Honen's, uh, what I've uh, said of, of Honen's presentation of the teaching and his Honen's concerns in um, in the teaching. <clears throat> Uh, to con- contrast uh, uh, that with uh, Shinran's approach. Uh, I begin here uh, with one quality of uh, Shinran's approach in communicating the Nembutsu, uh, what I term a holism uh, or a holistic apprehension. Uh, and uh, again, although this is a, perhaps a a, a, a bit odd as a term. I, I, I simply mean uh, what I uh, expressed uh, just bef- just when we ended our last session as as sort of entry into an entire world, an entire world of meaning, uh, uh, as opposed to uh, the kind of common sense notion of faith as uh, a a sub- subjective attitude towards uh, a certain scriptural uh, teaching and so on. And so, uh, holistic apprehension. Uh, I use holistic to characterize Shinran's fundamental stance in his writings, one that not only manifests the nature of his realization, but also informs the methods of exposition that he employs. Regarding our specific concerns here, it may be said also to distinguish the tenor of his works uh, from his master's Sendakshu, from Honen's uh, own, uh, chief writing, and further to link his awareness as teacher uh, to basic issues in both Buddhist thought and uh, we will um, gradually move into a comparative consideration with Heidegger. So when to prepare uh, a groundwork for that. Uh, by holistic, I mean above all uh, the sense in Shinran uh, that the realization of Shinjin is the arising of an entire world of meaning in which the former self and world have been transformed. Uh, that one discovers oneself anew already within such a world of Shinjin. But there is nothing a person has or could have accomplished to achieve entry, and that once having entered that world, the transformation is decisive so that there is no return 
to what one had been. And this, this I think, is one of the, the characteristics of uh, Shinran's teaching that, uh, in essence, um, the realization of Shinjin is, occurs once and for all, yeah, as far as he's concerned. So uh, uh, a person who has realized Shinjin uh, doesn't lose it. Uh, and th this contrasts, I think, um, very strongly with Protestant conceptions of, of faith where, um, for example, in, in Luther there's uh, sometimes uh, a talk of, of a daily struggle to, to maintain faith and so on. Uh, in terms of his writings, holism means uh, that Chinran's stance is always uh, one of already having realized Shinjin. Uh, and again, this is uh, Chinran's uh, uh, basic position, I think. In other words, uh, it's often said that Chinran does not uh, lay out a process, a method whereby uh, a person can realize Shinjin. Uh, and in part, I think this comes from his own position as one who has already realized Shinjin. I think that the basic uh, sort of interpretive uh, stance that I, I would like to argue for is one in which Shinran's writings are read um, as the, the ma manifestation, perhaps, of Shinran's own stance within, uh, within the realization of Shinjin. Uh, in other words, he is, he is seeking to, to express uh, what his world looks like. Uh, in terms of his writings, holism means that Shinran's stance is always one of already having realized Shinjin. Thus, he seeks to communicate the teaching by manifesting a transformed world or mode of existence, not by offering proof or reasoning within our ordinary frames of thought or by uh, propounding a method of access. In this way, he provides a model of Shinjin that undermines common notions of faith or belief based on presuppositions uh, of the self as an autonomous subject or agent. It may be said that Shinran's term to realize Shinjin, uh, again, Shinjin Gyakutoku or Shinjin Oku, uh, signifies uh, not the subjective state of an individual, but the arising of a new world of meaning in which one comes to carry on one's life. Uh, and um, that, that might just about sum up what, what, I, what I have to say today. Uh, as we have noted, Shinran's efforts uh, in his writings are devoted to clarifying the core of his master's Pure Land Buddhism, the essence uh, of the Pure Land Way, Jodo Shinshu. Uh, such clarification turns in large part on working through the fundamental issue that Honen left unresolved and that divided his disciples, the problem of the disjunction of practice and trust Nembutsu and Shinjin outlined earlier. To accomplish this, Shinran found it necessary to build upon Honen's achievements uh, in three discrete uh, but interrelated ways. First, he had to pursue the distinction between self-power and other power beyond Honen's decisive use of it to differentiate Pure Land practice from that of all other schools of Buddhist tradition. Shinran further applies the distinction within the Pure Land path itself, and this we have seen. And this is because in his analysis, the tendency toward the bifurcation of Nembutsu and Shinjin uh, within Pure Land practice 
in all its diverse forms, ultimately arises from self-power attachment to one's own capacities and failure to enter genuinely into other power. Thus, although, Senjak, uh, although in Senjakshu, Honen had sought to address the broad scholarly Buddhist community and therefore employed conventional methods of clerical discourse and argumentation, these are inevitably insufficient for Shinran's purposes. In other words, for Shinran, dependence on logical demonstrations based on proof texts as foundational evidence is in itself finally ineffective for communicating the subtle demarcation of self-power and other power, for by itself it presupposes the validity of human powers of judgment. And this is probably uh, the problem that Shinran is indicating in his answer to Joshin. And again, um, we, we had um, some discussion of this at the end of last session. We see this attitude in Chinran's refusal to engage his disciples' questions as they wished in the Tanisho passage above and also in the passage, in passages, uh, uh, such passages as the following from the letter. Uh, simply, uh, this is from, from letter six of uh, Lamb for the Latter Ages. Simply achieve your birth, firmly avoiding all scholarly debate. I recall hearing the late Master Honen say, persons of the Pure Land tradition uh, attain birth in the Pure Land become, by becoming their foolish selves. There's a very similar expression, of course, in the, um, the one-page testament, supposedly Honen's sort of final a statement uh, of the, the Pure Land teaching uh, on his deathbed. Uh, moreover, I remember him smile and say as he watched humble people of no intellectual pretensions coming to visit him. Without doubt, their birth is settled. And I heard him say, after a visit by a man brilliant in letters and debating, I really wonder about his birth. To this day, these things come to mind. And again, I think we can be reminded of the letter to Joshin. Here, Shinran indicates that conceptual reasoning, what is no more than an extension of intellectual effort in pursuit of a sense of accomplishment or security, uh, may be doctrinally unexceptional, and yet an obstacle to genuine apprehension of the path. What is necessary is, in Shinran's turn, term, the overturning hirugayas of self-power, uh, including attachment to the perspicuity of one's own powers of intellectual understanding and judgment. And again, um, this, this uh, is very close to the letter to Joshin that we read at the beginning. Second, to communicate his understanding of the Pure Land path, Shinran can do no more than delineate self-power and other power as divergent modes of existence, thus awakening his disciples to their unwitting adherence to dispositions rooted in self-attachment. And again here, this Shinran stands in already having realized Shinjin, which is his basic perspective, and not indicating a, a, a path which with, uh, which others should follow, but indicating uh, what it is um, that, that he uh, himself has realized. For example, we may turn to the passage from Tansha quoted above. It is the person who could have attained Buddhahood by endeavoring in other practices who would surely regret having been deceived if he fell into hell because of saying the Nembutsu. But my existence is such that fulfilling any practice is beyond reach, so it is clear that hell is my settled dwelling, whatever I might do. Here, after having refused to answer his disciples within the framework of their questions, Shinran elaborates 
on its response by delineating a stark contrast between two fundamental attitudes of existence. The person who might regret at having been deceived and Chinran himself who will have no regrets whatever the outcome. In other words, he differentiates between the person who could have attained Buddhahood by endeavoring in other practices and the person incapable of fulfilling any practice. That is, the person for whom reliance on self-power is an option and the person for whom it has ceased to be thinkable. In this way, Shinran brings home to his disciples the meaning of their own presuppositions in their questioning. In other words, what is the attitude uh, in, in the questions that they bring? Uh, 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 Shinran's strategy here is in fact wholly typical of his method of exposition not only in his oral statements but also in his Japanese writings and even in his more systematic works such as Kyoyosho Mondri. Uh, in explaining the meaning of self-power and other power in a letter, for example, Shinran begins, there are two kinds of people who seek birth in the Pure Land, those of other power and those of self-power. Uh, this has been taught by the Indian masters and uh, Pure Land teachers. It may be said that Shinran's fundamental stance in his works is concisely stated here. Uh, there, there was a comment uh, during the break um, that uh, uh, in, in a recent uh, speech, uh, the two kinds of people, uh, people 750 years ago and people at present, um, and I, I think the implication uh, was that the teaching has to be uh, given a, a, a kind of contemporary uh, expression in order to communicate to people at present and the, teach, the teaching as it was 750 years ago uh, will not suffice. Uh, but, but I think there, there may be a kind of deeper layer uh, in Shinran when, when, and when he speaks uh, uh, of the two kinds of people here, um, I think this may be a, a sort of um, ever-present um, issue, uh, the basic issue again, uh, as I, I want to suggest, in, in Shinran's Spirland path uh, and, and something deeply rooted uh, in human existence itself uh, and not, not necessarily uh, something uh, attached to uh, or contextualized by a, a particular period. Uh, in addition, we see in Shinran's response to his disciples his insistence on attending to the concrete lived situation of the Nembutsu practitioner. In this instance, uh, and at significant points throughout his writing, offering himself as example. Uh, in other words, Shinran, uh, again, uh, manifesting, uh, sometimes directly expressing uh, his own condition as a person who has realized Shinji. Uh, Sometimes in terms of lament, uh, uh, even, uh, but uh, 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 there also, in those cases also, I think, an expression uh, of his realization. As we have seen in his work, Shinran is concerned less to expound a method of attaining salvation uh, than to communicate a mode of existence in which liberation is already manifest. Uh, in his spoken words recorded in Tanisho 2, uh, he seeks to convey a grasp of the Pure Land path by presenting the actually experienced world that arises to him personally. And, and this, of course, in, in terms of, of regret, uh, a really remarkable 
uh, statement, I think, uh, partly a lament. But uh, I, I think uh, also, um, since regret is in a way our daily experience, uh, a very immediate uh, kind of expression on children's part. Thus, when disciples come to him seeking some sort of authoritative foundation for adherence to the Nembutsu in the form of text or direct transmission, Shinran responds uh, with an articulation of the perspective from his own stance, concluding such, in essence, is the Shinjin of the foolish person that I am. This focus is not simply a device for pastoral effectiveness, but arises directly from the core of Shinran's thought. And third, Shinran resolves uh, the problem of the bifurcation of Shinjin and Nambutsu, not primarily through Honen's logic of selection, rejection, or Senjaku, Amida's um, picking out uh, the Nembutsu from all other practices as the means uh, by which to bring all beings to his Buddha field. And based on this selection, the practitioner's own setting aside of other practices and taking up uh, the name, all of this implied in Senjaku in Honen's concept. But more radically on Shinran's part, through disclosing a perspe uh, pervasive dimension of the Nembutsu practitioner's existence in which the subject-object dichotomy in relation to the Pure Land Path has been overcome. Uh, this is expressed most directly in Shinran's writings in his conception of Shinjin, not as a person's subjective attitude uh, towards Amida's vow or the name as practice, uh, as had previously been assumed, but as the Buddha's non-discriminative wisdom compassion given to the person of the Nembutsu. Thus, a person's Shinjin and Amida Buddha are one. Subjectively, it is here uh, that the possibility of regret or of calculative thinking might fall away. Uh, this basic motif in Jinran indicates precisely how utterance of the Nembutsu uh, can be the Buddhist practice given to beings. Uh, it is because such utterance comes to be enacted in beings' existence, not as intentional praxis, uh, but as a manifestation of the world of enlightened wisdom, compassion. So I would uh, like to argue for, in essence, a kind of uh, sense of the utterance of the Nambutsu uh, as emerging from the world of meaning um, that is realized in Shinjin. Uh, I would like to move on now uh, to, to the second part um, uh, of uh, the uh, discussion today, uh, and to, to move toward uh, the the comparison with Heidegger as a way of uh, illuminating uh, the treatment of truth in uh, Shinran, and and again, as I said, this this is in part an attempt to uh, deflate or. Uh, uh, to uh, eliminate as much as possible uh, an imposition of ordinary common sense notions of faith uh, onto Shinran's uh, thinking. 
uh, instead of accepting uh, some kind of proposition or assertion uh, in a sacred text as true, uh, I think uh, Shinran has a, a very different uh, conception of truth. Uh, truth, uh, extremely important in Shinran's writings, uh, and yet with a meaning uh, somewhat different uh, from our, our usual sense of it. Uh, and I think this meaning uh, can be illuminated uh, by uh, reading Shinran uh, together with Heidegger. Uh, so uh, in the second uh, handout uh, for today uh, on understanding Shinran, uh, in Shinran's understanding, apprehension of the truth transmitted by the tradition is not uh, as in most forms of Buddhist teaching, mediated by a person's accomplishment of praxis, uh, but rather is effected through the already fulfilled practice of Amida Buddha. In other words, truth itself emerges uh, through the Buddha's working to become manifest to and enacted by beings, and those who come to encounter it awaken to a new awareness of self and world, though at the same time they remain constrained uh, by their karmic conditionedness and the shadows of self-attachment. So this this also in part uh, a response, uh, an answer perhaps uh, to to the question concerning non-self, no self, um, in 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 uh, Shinran's thought. I think uh, uh, these shadows of self-attachment certainly remain, uh, or uh, or themselves uh, uh, become manifest, perhaps. Uh, such a structure of engagement with truth within a horizon of radical situatedness and finitude resonates uh, with significant strains of recent philosophy in the West. To clarify Shinran's Buddhist thought regarding truth, I will bring it into a comparative framework with aspects of the thinking of Martin Heidegger, focusing primarily on Heidegger's highly compressed, pivotal essay on the essence of truth from 1930. And I, in this material, I am focusing only on uh, this one very short, uh, but very dense essay. And this comes uh, uh, at what is often uh, said to be a key time uh, for Heidegger. Uh, uh, Being in Time was published in 1927, so uh, uh, shortly after uh, it was this this lecture uh, on the essence of truth was actually given a number of times uh, in a number of venues, uh, perhaps from 1929, 1930, uh, and eventually published only um, in 1943. But uh, Heidegger himself. Uh, identifies it as a, a sort of turning point in, in his own thinking uh, or the beginning of a, a kind of shift in, in uh, the emphasis in his thought. Uh, so a very important essay um, for in, in Heidegger studies and for Heidegger, uh, even though it's very short. Um, but I, I take it up chiefly uh, because of um, what I see in its uh, power to illuminate things in Shinran. Uh, there are two basic reasons uh, for this comparative approach. Uh, first, it may suggest a corrective or an antidote. Um, I, I don't know whether I, I should insist on this too much, but uh, uh, on, 
um, I, I want to take sort of distortion, as I said at the beginning, in a very broad sense. It's something that Shinran himself was aware of. Um, uh, but uh, 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 this kind of comparative approach may suggest a corrective uh, to the prevailing Western academic views uh, of Shane Buddhist tradition, which have tended to characterize it as a simple doctrine of salvation through faith. Although Shin Buddhism has had an institutional presence in North America for more than a century, Shinran's thought has attracted relatively slight interest among Western uh, Buddhist studies and religious studies scholars, at least until very recently. And I think uh, even though there's more interest now, much of it is historic, uh, historical and sociological, as uh, in fact I, I think um, it, 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 much of Buddhist, the, the sort of a shift in Buddhist studies uh, has turned in that uh, that direction. Uh, in any case, uh, in, in any case, uh, very much uh, less uh, uh, of an interest, uh, a very slight interest still uh, in uh, Shinran as as a religious thinker. I think. Uh, perhaps the basic reason for this marginalization has been the lingering assumption that Shin is uh, not only geographically and temporally removed uh, from original Buddhism, um, but removed fundamentally in philosophical outlook and soteriology, uh, with the magnitude of this distance evident in the number of striking similarities uh, it possesses to Protestant Christian tradition in both doctrine and in social manifestation. Uh, and, and this, I, I think, needs no further comment. Uh, the imposition on Shinran's uh, Buddhist path uh, of a common notion of faith as creedal ascent uh, may be said to have impeded an engagement with Shinran's thought in the West. Even the criticisms of this imposition, in other words, uh, there is now not, not only uh, a, a tendency to... Um, uh, to to have a, a, a to to view Shinran as, as similar to to Protestant Christianity, I think this this attitude lingers. But there's also a, a criticism uh, or a veering away from Shinran as Buddhist thinker, um, a, 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 with a criticism of traditional Shin studies as uh, very, very much textually and doctrinally oriented, and as this being some sort of distortion of the historical reality. Uh, and I think this, this trend uh, is quite strong now in Western Buddhist studies. So even the criticism of this uh, imposition, uh, kind of doctrinal view of Shinran, uh, even though the doctrine might be uh, basically um, uh, Christian, uh, been developed in the West, chiefly by insisting on the importance of ordinary uh, Shin Buddhists, uh, uh, importance to ordinary Shin Buddhists of extra doctrinal ritual practices or folk religious elements. In other words, Shin Buddhism is about a lot more uh, than uh, uh, Kyogyo Shinsho. It's, it's about um, uh, burial rites and so on. <clears throat> in other words, uh, the criticisms have again assumed uh, that the orthodox self-understanding of the tradition uh, itself emphasizes above all acquiescence to doctrinal tenets, uh, so that a reluctance to engage Shinran as religious thinker persists. Um, in any case, this is uh, my sense of uh, the current situation uh, and now also. 
uh, a comparison between uh, the thought of Shinran and Heidegger uh, regarding uh, uh, the nature, and of course, this my own work, of course, would be dismissed uh, by uh, by many of the, these uh, scholars um, as kind of philosophical, doctrinal uh, sort of view of Shinran, which uh, essentially uh, simply uh, carries on a traditional um, sort of view of Shinshu as essentially doctrinal. Uh, anyway, that that would be the criticism. Uh, a, a comparison between the thought of Shinran and Heidegger regarding the nature of truth may, be provided, it may provide a means for liberating Shinran's Buddhist path from a reductive understanding as simple doctrine to be taken as uh, the object of faith. And this is because a number of uh, parallels may be drawn between Chinran's thought and Heidegger's attempt to deconstruct uh, the subject-object dichotomy underlying common sense notions of truth and of knowledge about the world. Both Chinran and Heidegger recognize uh, the inevitable dualism of subject and object inherent in discriminative human awareness, uh, but they develop critiques uh, of, a deeply, uh, of the deeply ingrained tendencies towards the reification of them as autonomous transcendental subject and substantial object, uh, and of the detrimental consequences for human existence of such modes of perception. And again, uh, there was a question earlier about non-self, um, uh, but I think we see here in um, the uh, sense in Shinran that, that no, we don't get over this kind of false discrimination um, uh, in this lifetime. Um, that, that, um, that, that, that persists for Shinran. <clears throat> the second reason for the comparative approach attempted here uh, is that Heidegger's exploration of the nature of truth as embedded uh, within the context of the practices of daily life may provide a means for freeing up aspects of Shinran's teaching uh, from their moorings in a primarily soteriological framework and for exploring how they may be understood uh, within the context of ordinary experience. And I, I will try to, to go into some of this perhaps in, in the last session uh, that we have next week. Uh, first, uh, Shinran's conception of truth. I will first briefly sketch several uh, the basic characteristics of Shinran's conception of truth. Uh, to begin, in Shinran's writings, the major term corresponding to true or truth, Shinjitsu or Makoto, uh, which he frequently employs, uh, must be taken as basically synonymous with real or inconceivable reality in its various traditional Buddhist expressions, that is, suchness, thusness, dharma body, dharma nature, wisdom, and so on. At a fundamental level, therefore, truth for Shinran is not primarily propositional. It does not refer most essentially to assertions about the world or verbal representations of things or facts we encounter. Rather, truth is reality itself. Uh, in other words, it is precisely things freed from the imposition of reifying conceptualization and verbalization. At the same time, however, truth for Shinran stands in relation uh, to human understanding and takes uh, linguistic form. It may be said to emerge into the realm of human apprehension and become manifest in words and concepts. Uh, we may get a sense of his notion of truth by looking at the method by which he demonstrates the truth and reality, the Shinjutsu, of the teaching of the larger sutra of the Buddha of Immeasurable Life uh, in uh, Kyogyo Shomondri. 
uh, in, the, in the first chapter of this work, the chapter on teaching, Shinran asserts uh, that the truth of the... Of course, when we look at... Uh, the work, Yogyosho Bondri, uh, the first chapter in the teaching, and it sets forth the true teaching of the Pure Land Way. Uh, and I think uh, when we first come to Kyogyosho Bondri, uh, we uh, essentially uh, expect uh, some sort of doctrinal uh, presentation of what the true teaching of the Pure Land Path is. In other words, we, we would expect uh, Shinran to set forth uh, um, some sort of uh, conceptual um, uh, delineation of, of, of a true teaching. Uh, and of course, uh, the content is very different. Uh, in the first chapter of the work, chapter on teaching, Shinran asserts that the truth of the sutra is evident from the circumstances in which it was uh, delivered by Shakyamuni Buddha as related in the sutra itself. As may be ascertained from the dialogue between Shakyamuni and his disciple Ananda that frames the delivery of the sutra proper, immediately prior uh, to his expounding the teaching, uh, Shakyamuni has emerged from profound samadhi uh, called the samadhi of great tranquility, uh, Daijakujo, and his countenance and physical features uh, hold a splendor and radiance that reflect the depth of his meditation, and so this is this is a kind of a standard uh, 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 Buddhist thinking about the sutras. The Buddha, the Buddha enters into a deep uh, samadhi. Um, he he basically uh, attains a suchness, uh, uh, a reality or wisdom uh, beyond conceivability. But then he emerges again uh, into our everyday world into the world of discrimination and language again uh, and uh, having emerged from the deep samadhi he uh, is able to expound the dharma in words in other words to expound what transcends words what transcends language uh, in language so there's this this kind of scene depicted at the beginning of the larger sutra uh, and and the Buddha's attainment of a very deep samadhi uh, is actually visible in in his very presence uh, from the Buddha's extraordinary appearance it is clear to his disciple that is Ananda uh, that the the sutra he's about to preach uh, will be not merely one version of the teaching among many uh, but the teaching that is uh, that which Shakyamuni has expressly appeared in our world in order to transmit uh, Shinran's argument turns on the following passage uh, which he adduces in the first quotation in Kyogyo Shomondri uh, after indicating its significance uh, with his question. So Shinran says, uh, how is it known that this sutra uh, was a great matter for which Shakyamuni Buddha appeared in the world? The larger sutra states, uh, Ananda asked, today, world-honored one, your sense organs are filled with gladness and serenity. Your complexion is pure. Your radiant countenance is majestic. Today, the world-honored one abides in the Dharma, most rare and wondrous. Uh, uh, so on today, the preeminent one of the world abides in the supreme enlightenment. Uh, why does your commanding radiance shine forth with such brilliance? Uh, this passage forms the core of Shinran's proof 
of the truth, the sutra. Uh, the words that Chakamuni delivers are known to be true, not because they do indeed teach accurately about the nature of the world and human existence, or because what they assert can be ascertained to represent the actual state of things, that is, what we would expect when we hear true teaching, but because the words have emerged from the deepest samadhi, uh, which is itself true reality, the Dharma most rare and wondrous or the abode of all Buddhas. Because of this, the Buddha's exposition puts into practice the virtue of all Tathagatas. It does this by manifesting in words reality that is beyond ordinary verbal expression and conceptualization. Uh, in Chinran's thought, truth stands distinct from the character of our ordinary modes of knowing and reflection. Uh, he states in a commentary, true and real Shinjitsu refers to the vow uh, of Amida Tathagata uh, being tr uh, true and real. Uh, this is what the term sincere mind in the 18th vow means. From the very beginning, sentient beings who are filled with blind passions lack a mind true and real, a heart of purity, for they are possessed of defilements, evil, and wrong views. It is not simply that human thought and perceptions are limited uh, so that truth does not naturally enter its compass. Rather, our vision and awareness are fundamentally askew, warped by delusional self-attachment, and thus in conflict with truth. Truth in Chinran's thinking, therefore, is not determined through judgment based on criteria of correspondence or coherence. It may seem to be foundationalist in that its veracity rests on the Buddha's realization, but we must note that there is a critical rift between the reality realized by the Buddha which transcends words and concepts and any verbal expression of the teaching so that logical, methodical construction of a secure superstructure of doctrine upon which an unshakable foundation of, um, upon an unshakable foundation of truth is impossible. So the usual notions of having a, a solid foundation say in the sutras or in Kyogyosho Mondri or in Shinran's writings and then uh, building a logical uh, superstructure of doctrine. Uh, this kind of sense of truth uh, is not one that is central uh, to Shinran, I think. Further, uh, this conception of truth does not rest simply, that is uh, Shinran's uh, conception of truth, does not rest simply uh, on the authority of uh, the Buddha. Thus, Shinran can assert, uh, if Amida's primal vow is true, Shakyamuni's teaching cannot be false. If the Buddha's teaching is true, Shandao's commentaries cannot be false, and so on. This is surely a line of logic or reasoning, and that at bottom turns upside down our usual expectations. According to this passage, the truth of Amida's vow is not demonstrated on the basis of the Buddhist teaching, but in fact precisely the, the reverse is the case. The teaching may be said to be true because of the vow. Shinran also states the same basic view of truth or reality as underpinning the veracity of its verbal expression uh, from the reverse perspective. After true Shinjin has become settled in us, even if Buddhas like Amida or Shakyamuni fill the skies and proclaim that Shakyamuni's teaching and Amida's primal vow are false, we will not have even one moment of doubt. Uh, so 
um, I think it's quite an extraordinary statement. Uh, if, but uh, we see here that that uh, it is not that uh, necessarily that uh, we have the Buddhist statement in in a sutra uh, or transmitted by tradition, and therefore can build uh, some sort of con conceptual structure uh, on top of it. Uh, again, the truth of the vow is not demonstrated by displaying evidence of the authority of the teaching. Rather, it is truth itself as the occurrence or event of its emergence, Xinjin becoming settled in one, that provides the touchstone by which one may judge verbal expressions. To augment uh, the sketch, uh, the characteristics above, we may note that Shinran's rejection of hakarai or calculative thinking is not an abandonment of notions of reasoning and truth. Uh, and I think this, this is often a sort of opposite uh, um, criticism. If you, if you um, uh, reject our ordinary sense of a foundational uh, truth uh, in sutras and so on, uh, then uh, you may be accused of rejecting reasoning or logical understanding altogether. In Jinran's writings and recorded, recorded words, he lays out his own arguments in rational structures with tight logical connectives. Jinran, uh, 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 extremely uh, uh, sort of uh, reasoned, logical. Uh, methodical in this sense. Truth, however, is not to be arrived at through the thinking with which we normally carry on our everyday lives, for such thinking is rooted in attachments to a delusional self. Rather than truth as propositional statement or assertion about the world from the stance of a reified self, for Shinran, truth might be characterized as a fundamental shift in stance, a transformative event in which the self is dislodged from an absolute standpoint and made aware of its own conditionedness. Truth is the emergence of self-awareness of one's existence as finite and delusional, evil in the, human, in the Buddhist sense of uh, boundness to samsaric existence. Uh, in this realization, uh, the tenacious ignorance is broken even as one continues to live in a world of false discriminative thinking. Thus realization of Shinjin uh, may be awaited, uh, but it cannot be brought about by any self-generated contrivance. This sense of truth as a basic shift uh, in mode of existence is expressed in a passage from a letter written by Shinran's wife, Eshinni, to their daughter shortly after Shinran's death. Uh, Shinran and Eshini lived apart at the close of their long lives, and Eshini wished to inform the daughter important events of Shinran's life, uh, such as his decisive religious encounter with Honen. Uh, and, I, and I quote, uh, 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 again, a well-known passage, uh, this time from uh, a letter by uh, Eshini. Uh, departing from the mountain monastery, your father Shinran secluded himself at Rokkakudo Temple, undertaking a 100-day retreat of prayer concerning the afterlife. In the pre-dawn of the 95th day, Prince Shotoku formed a message, and Shinran received it from the manifested Bodhisattva. At once, in that pre-dawn, uh, seeking to encounter the relatedness that would salvage his afterlife, he went to see Master Honen. For 100 days, whether rain or shine, regardless of many urgent circumstance, uh, he, he sought out Honen. 
And of the problem of the afterlife, Master Honen simply taught wholeheartedly the path that leads all persons equally, whether good or evil, out of samsaric existence. At that time, I saw that Shinran received and settled upon this path so that whenever he uh, heard people denounce Honen for one reason or another, he would say, uh, to that place where the master goes, uh, whatever people may say, even though some declare he is certain to end in an evil state of suffering, so be it for me. For I know myself one who has erred through world after world and life upon life. Uh, it, it just sort of incidentally, I, I included um, in the footnote, the note, uh, um, uh, the translation of uh, James Dobbins. Uh, James uh, Dobbins, uh, of course, uh, published a, a full translation uh, of Eshini's letters. Uh, many of them of very uh, deep uh, historical interest and then wrote a number of essays uh, around the letters where he fleshes out uh, the historical uh, circumstances of Eshini's life. A uh, very fascinating book. Uh, but I want to point out just one sentence where I think Dobbins uh, departs from the original text in a way that uh, concerns us uh, because I think it, it reveals something of uh, the kinds of presuppositions that I mentioned at the beginning, that is the imposition of a kind of a certain uh, but Christian uh, attitudes and thinking upon Shinran. Uh, and uh, Dobbins' uh, translation here, I, I included, uh, actually, uh, it's one sentence in his translation, I, uh, I think I may have translated this one sentence also, but that the whole letter is practically one long sentence, so it's very difficult uh, syntactically to make uh, divisions. Uh, in any case, Dobbin's translation is, the teaching received from him, that is the teaching which uh, Shinran received from Honen, the teaching received from him, which Shinran firmly embraced, uh, was simply that there is only one path leading out of samsara in, in the next life. Uh, for both the good and the evil person alike. And uh, I, th I think what's striking here uh, is this uh, phrase uh, that there is only one path uh, leading out. And this seems to me uh, to, to carry some, some sort of baggage. Uh, and I, I would see it in terms of uh, Protestant Christian terms. Uh, and it's something that's often uh, imposed on Japanese Pure Land uh, also. Uh, but I think uh, but what the original reads here, uh, th this whole sentence, um, I'll just read to it once first. Uh, tada, wait, uh, uh, and as I say, syntactically, it's not uh, an independent sentence. But tada gose no kotoba. Here, gose, I, I think, is afterlife. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, oh, uh, well, actually, this, this part is not included. Um, I, I translated, the, the translation that I have given um, starts from, um, and of the problem of the afterlife. Uh, this, this continues from uh, the earlier part of the letter, and uh, I might add that there are certain circumstances in the letter 
um, that I think are important, but but not not necessarily easy to pick up on. One one is that um, often it's said that this this revelation occurs at dawn. Uh, of course, it's a, it's a 95th day of a long retreat. Uh, Shinran is vowed to stay for 100 days in order to get guidance. And probably uh, the situation is something like this. Honan was, was already famous. Shinran was still uh, performing practices, continuing uh, in the practice um, that he had carried on for 20 years. Uh, but probably he had heard about Honan's teaching. Uh, and he was debating uh, uh, what he should do, um, and and I think uh, essentially it's 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 very hard to ascertain from from the letter itself or from uh, the the revelation that Shinran receives. He receives a poem. Um, uh, sometimes a great deal is made of it. Uh, in terms of, of psychology, although the poem is not original, um, and it, it is found um, in, in other documents of the period. Uh, but probably Shinran was debating, and of course this is uh, an extremely important sort of crossroads for him. Uh, he has to decide what, what he should do, how he should continue. Uh, he feels dissatisfied uh, with his long uh, practice and study, but he's, he's devoted all of his, his youth and um, early manhood to. Uh, and he hears of uh, the teaching on Mount Hie, the teaching is denounced as heretical. Um, uh, so he doesn't know what to do. Uh, and so he undertakes the 100 day retreat at Rokakudo and he receives a revelation. Uh, so uh, and and then he goes out immediately, and he takes the revelation as a sign uh, that he should go to see Honen. I think it, it's very difficult to to see in the revelation itself, in, in the text, that there's some indicate go to Honen or something. There's nothing quite like that. Um, <clears throat> so I think it, it's more that he, he is debating. He takes this as a, as a an affirmative sign, and then he goes off. Uh, and it's often said that this occurs in the dawn, and when we think of the dawn, we think that it's getting light uh, and so on, um, but um, I think the, the, the original term is akatsuki, uh, which in classical Japanese is a kind of pre-dawn. It's, it's anything after midnight, essentially, when, when, when the night is heading towards light. It's, the sun hasn't come up, it hasn't really gotten light, like um, I think that the term would more likely be something like akebono. So things are dark outside, and um, it might be four o'clock in the morning, um, but Eshini uh, uh, emphasizes uh, twice in, in this very brief sort of summary of, of what went on. Uh, in, in the pre-dawn of the 95th day, um, he, he gets a message from Shoto Kutaishi, and at once, in that pre-dawn, she says, she repeats the term. And I, I think uh, what, what is uh, intended here is to uh, depict the urgency uh, that, that Shinran uh, is feeling here, uh, that uh, this is the one great matter uh, for him. Um, that that he, he sees a way to resolution, and then he he goes and, and carries on his his 100 day uh, visit uh, 
a daily visit to, to Honan before actually uh, entering into um, the, um, the following there. Uh, and and there, there's one well, there's one other very interesting point um, that is not brought out in Davins's uh, translation, uh, but that appears to be present in the text, and that is that that Eshini seems to be speaking uh, firsthand. In other words, Eshini may have been a part of uh, the following uh, Honen's following already at that time, and she may have been. Uh, present uh, when when Shinran uh, first uh, encounters Honen and then, and then comes for for the 100 days, um, and so it it, it may have a very great immediacy for her. And of course, uh, the other thing is we, we'll see it a, a little uh, later on. Um, uh, uh, but the the the, the resonance with. Uh, uh, the second chapter of Tanisho. Uh, so uh, sh sh th this sort of anecdote or this expression of uh, Shinran's sort of conversion um, uh, is something that uh, Shinran apparently repeats. Uh, so it, it's very important to him, this, this sense that, uh, that he will follow Honen even though oh, Honen falls, uh, may fall into hell. Um, uh, uh, which, which I think is also an important element for our concerns. But I would like to return to, to the problem of translation here. Uh, the, the original, I, I should have included it, uh, but it, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's something like, Tada gose no kotoba, concerning the afterlife, yoki hito ni mo, ashiki ni mo, onaji yoni, the same for the good person, the evil person. Shoji izubeki michi oba. ただ一筋に恐せられそうだいし。そう、恐せられですとと、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、と、
um, and and something that that I think um, is, is very different from uh, what what Chinwan is trying to uh, express. Uh, it also firmly embraced uketamawari sadamete sorai shikaba to to receive and uh, so the sadamete had become settled. As, uh, sadamaru uh, is a very important term for Shinran, and he often uses it in terms of Shinjin, so that Shinjin becomes settled, of course. Um, but uh, here, I think um, there, there is also a strong sense that that. Uh, Shinran was uh, uh, debating within himself what he should do, and and um, and and he sort of settles on, on this. so on on Honen's path. Uh, so this is somewhat different, I think, uh, from the sense of of simply f firmly embracing and uh, perhaps uh, more closely um, expresses. Uh, something like the entrance into a, a new and transformed world that I uh, think is um, uh, rather closer to uh, uh, what Shinran expresses in his own writings. Let's see, I, I see that we are uh, very close to the end of this session, so I, I think I will uh, break off here, and I, uh, I, I'm not quite sure um, uh, uh, how, how to proceed um, in the next two sessions. But uh, I would like uh, to go on um, at least uh, somewhat with uh, the, the comparison with Heidegger, but um, uh, this, this will have to wait until next week, I think. Uh, so if there are comments or questions uh, that we have. Uh, let me just ask one rather convoluted question. Uh, you mentioned that uh, in terms of this, your holistic apprehension of uh, or Shinran's holistic perspective, you know, this, uh, the arising of a world of meaning uh, which embodies not only his, aware, his awakening but also his modes of expression. Would it be fair to say that chief among those modes of expression that we find are necessarily paradoxical uh, expressions which are paradox, apparently paradoxical in nature? Um, perhaps deliberately um, stated um, in order to sort of um, um, provide that that warning that he, he provided to Joe Xing. Um, your, your comments on that would be yeah. appreciated. Yeah, I, I think a, a good example is, is the passage from Tanisho. Uh, so paradox uh, is there, uh, but uh, I think uh, Shinran is very deliberate um, in his efforts to try to jolt uh, his disciples out of uh, their sort of everyday or common sense assumptions. And, and I've spoken of uh, our usual, usual sense of faith or, or a common sense notion of faith as, as being uh, like that. Uh, in, at the beginning uh, of uh, the third um, chapter of Tanisho, of course, the, the perhaps the most famous chapter uh, where he, he says uh, uh, even the evil person uh, attains birth, so of course the good person. And uh, this he starts out with the paradox. Um, and he's perfectly aware of what he's doing, of course, uh, because then he says, well, usually uh, people uh, say this, and, and it's the, the sort of common sense uh, view. Uh, even uh, um, 
uh, I, I'm sorry, the, even the, the evil person, so of course the good person, so, um, so the opposite of, of the beginning, where even the, the, the good, uh, good person, so of course the evil person. Um, <clears throat> Uh, so uh, first he gives the paradox, and then he gives the the, the, um, the common sense version. Uh, so he is aware of uh, what sort of um, feelings or reaction um, that uh, his disciples are, are having. So I, I think that's part of it, and part of it arises, and and, and hopefully we'll see more of this uh, when we can. Uh, get on to the comparison, uh, or or to read Shinran uh, together with uh, Heidegger. Uh, we can see how uh, some of the expression may may seem paradoxical, uh, but uh, actually is a a kind of expression of of what what of what Shinran experiences in in the, in the world that he has realized.